Welcome to the Cure for Stupidity podcast, an ongoing exploration of the stupidity in real life, relationships, parenting, and more. From last week's episode, continuing the conversation about perception and reality. There has been some movement, glacial glacial speed movement, but movement nonetheless. I agree. <laughs> I, I I can give you the the credit for those those minor improvements <laughs> that have been made. I'll take I'll take anything like that. No, so so actually, I want to transition a little bit because um, we've had uh, a, a lot of questions around uh, race and racism mm-hmm. in the last several months, yes. uh, especially in the last couple of weeks, and. Um, I think you know talking about perception and reality has been. It, it, I think it's going to be a really important part yeah, of that. Absolutely. Um, and so you've been doing a lot of reading. Obviously, you're you're a, a white woman who's married to a black man mm-hmm. and um, raising three mixed race children. Uh, you you yourself are mixed race, and so like, um, what is what is it? What has your experience been here of these last several months? Uh, what has been your your perception of of things kind of globally? Um, I think it goes, you know, up and down. I think that something happens and there's a, a bigger reaction. Um, and I think that it, it fades. And it's hard also to when, see... When you say it fades, what do you mean? Um, like people's attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, even just people genuinely like engaging in it anymore um in in the conversations in even just trying to pay attention to it you know they start to become numb they Mm -hmm. um and it it, you just get burnt out it's like oh it's too heavy like there's just too much right now i just i just can't do all of this um and the other thing i think that's really really interesting about it is like as things flare up there's there's less and less participants and even like acknowledging like the the numbness is even growing to even the big things that are happening and it's like nah, again like yeah. I, I can't yeah. like I, I i literally can't yeah yeah <laughs> um and so i think some of the hard stuff for me is you know um i am vocal and mm-hmm. um i definitely want to see the world better for for our kids right. um you know being married to you um, we've experienced just, you know, things over the years that, that has opened my eyes, um, stuff that I've heard about, and then just seeing stuff that's happened to our kids um, mm-hmm. and into our family, you know, as, as a unit when we were together. Um, and just not being able to protect our kids, even when we were standing right there right. as things were happening. Right. Um, it, that's hard. That's That's so unimaginably hard. Like, mm-hmm. no matter how much I thought that we were prepared for having conversations with our kids um, for the the ugliness of the world, it, unfortunately, nothing prepares you for what what lurks around, you know, in the in the dark shadows that, yeah. that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, and I just think it's it's interesting, you know, the people that will reach out that genuinely want to engage yeah. and um, work work in this this realm of complete you know perception and reality right um uh, it's it's shocking you know what people perceive of um both sides of mm-hmm. of, of everything that's happening right now and you know then there's other people that that kind of want to participate but at the same time you know that maybe they're uncomfortable and they don't really know how um and some of them are transparent and talking about that and there's other people that are kind of putting up the front and the act you know trying to to sort through it but you know, not necessarily actually investing into it. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the hardest things that comes with that is, you know, people will 
try to ask questions of me, but then at the same time, try to like make me consider the other side or, you know, that I, we're getting, I'm getting way too radical because I, I talk about it regularly. I, you know, I frequently, I, I, I definitely talk about things that um, are uncomfortable, yeah. you know, that, that people haven't probably talked about so openly before. And so, you know, when they, when they try to play devil's advocate or, you know, have me rein it back to a more comfortable zone from, from where they're at, you know, it's, the constant thing is, you know, I'm not racist, um, but. <laughs> but, or, you know, maybe not the, but, but, you know, you know, I'm not racist and they'll, they'll continue with their, their message. And what people don't get is you can't just say, I'm not racist. Like I can guarantee you, I have hundred percent done something racist in my lifetime. Of course. Like moment to moment, decision, decision, you have to constantly hold yourself accountable right. and say like, yeah, you know what? There was something, some bias, there was something in there that guided me and steered me towards that decision. And you've got to sit in that yuck and go, yep, okay, I, I acknowledge that. And you don't have to, you know, out yourself publicly, um, but you can just say, you know, could have done better or just become aware and say, okay, like that's an area where I'm closed off and I, I, I shouldn't have been, but it's there and acknowledge it. And for people to come to us collectively to, um, and I feel like because I'm I'm white, it's comfortable for people to talk to me right. as opposed to talking to you. Right. Um, I do notice that I'm having a lot more conversations than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's more than just the extrovert introvert <laughs> thing. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to see that it's comfortable to talk to me and try to bring me back into this neutral zone for people um, where they can say, you know I'm not racist. Yeah. It's like, well, we can be friends and you can still have some, some racist things, you know, that operate. Yeah. Yeah. That operate within you that you may not even be aware of. Right. And that's hard for me that people want me to vouch just because we're friends or just because we're acquaintances or just because, um, you know, to validate. Yeah. yeah, And like validate them. That's, that's really hard. Um, as opposed to potentially having a private conversation to say like, I don't see this as racist. Like, I don't believe that I'm racist. Um, and you know, let's, let's talk about this openly. Like let's, let's go through this because you're talking about this very divisive, you know, whatever, um, thing that happened and I'm over here and you're over there. And you know, in your opinion, you know, they can tell, tell me, you know, you're the way that I'm reading what you're talking about is I might be racist because I, you know, um, associate to this this side of the subject and like yeah. let's let's talk about that and it, I could easily be wrong like right. there there could be absolutely no racist ties into them taking that stance but you can't just say you know I'm not racist but I still think this right like that's well, not and, an and out. You think about every everyone has their own perception their own experience of life Mm -hmm. and just just as we discovered in this last conversation it's so incredibly hard to see outside of our own perceptions yeah and so the the things that we've experienced as a family uh, the very very hurtful racist things we've experienced as a family it is nearly impossible for anyone to close their eyes and imagine what that felt like right people people like they can they can sympathize with us they can have empathy for dealing with difficult situation or empathy for dealing for pain, but it's it's almost impossible for a lot of folks to to actually actually perceive what we perceived. Yeah. And so if, if they can't perceive what we perceived, they're not going to behave in ways that we behaved. 
And so what we see a lot of folks out there is, is um, you know, there's this huge swell of, of emotion when, when these larger things happen in the country and the conversation is happening. A lot of people are engaging the conversation, which is fantastic. Um, but then we see, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's, it's called empathy fatigue. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, oh, I'm seeing the same. We, we saw the same thing with uh, the Me Too movement. Yeah. Right. So there's Me Too movement and, and things really just started to fade over time. Like, oh, here's another one. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's another one. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know that, like, you know, when it happens to some big name person, like it's barely even note- noteworthy, you know, unless mm-hmm. you're actually like reading or watching the news every day. Like it's not even like it's talked about that often. Yeah. yeah and But I think, you know, what. What, I th- what you're talking about with people kind of asking you for validation is is people don't understand that, you know, there's perception to reality, okay. right? And, 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 and in the book, I argue perception is more important than reality. And so people want to be perceived as good people. And so I think that they ask that question so that they're perceived in a certain way. Um, and, and I'm not saying that, that everyone is racist. And I think this is something, you know, you, we, we talk about a lot is that it's not about, you know, the label, a character label of, of racist. You're, you are racist or you are not racist. It has to do with decisions, as you said, behaviors in the moment by moment. Was this thing I just did racist? Yeah. Was this thing I just did not racist or anti-racist, right? And so, mm-hmm. so thinking about that continuum moment by moment and so yes i too have done things i've behaved in ways that were racist i mean the example i use all the time is is i watched the movie rush hour right in the 90s and and that is a laughed laughed and enjoyed it right Mm -hmm. that movie is very racist and it's like oh knowing what i know now i can look back and say yes that behavior was racist and still be me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, it doesn't change my character. It is this is who I am, and also that behavior was racist. And so, and so, I think what what people are doing a lot of times with that is that they're they're trying to avoid the la- the character label mm-hmm. of racist. Scarlet letter. Yeah, and it's like stop thinking that way. Yeah. Right. Because if you think that way, then then everything is or everything isn't, which isn't the way things work. Like mm-hmm. there are times when I'm a nice guy, and there's times when I'm kind of a jerk, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean that I am a jerk. It just means that that thing I just did there, that was kind of jerk, right? Yeah. And so if we can help people like disassociate their character from the things they do, hmm. then then people can engage in this conversation differently. That you know, they can have those private conversations with you and say, "Hey, I drove through a mostly black neighborhood and I felt a little weird. I felt a little unsafe. Is that mean I'm racist?" Like, no. But that thought was, yeah. right? I mean, it was it was based on the race mm-hmm. and, and you felt less safe because of that. And that's okay. So now let's acknowledge that and we can do something with that, mm-hmm. right? But if it's a character label, you can't do anything with that yeah. or it's it, much harder. It, and that's the thing is you have to understand that it fluctuates, you know, mm-hmm. and um, our perceptions are constantly changing, evolving, you know, moment to moment. Um, and then the reality of how you interpret those you know that 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 can change yeah. like th- those are fluid things that can you know change moment to moment mm-hmm. and i don't know that that everybody is used to that that thought process yeah. i think that it's very fixed for most people um i've never been racist my whole life or <laughs> you know 90% of my life or you know 99% of my life even you know 
I, I've had black friends. I've dated black people. I've whatever. And it doesn't have to be, you know, always be, be black, but that's, that's the case that they built for themselves to say, okay, I've done a good job and I'm not racist, Mm -hmm. but they don't understand that in every single moment, there are things that can happen and, and, you know, perception that you're going to have to juggle and manage and then, you know, evaluate and, and put back out into the world to reiterate all those things that, you know, in your in your big picture that you're thinking about. There's also a lot of little picture things that you have to throw in that equation as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you talk about perception and, and, and you know, one thing. So I'm writing an article right now on uh, kind of the, the, the gravity, the bigness of this issue we're trying to deal with as a country. And it's not it's not about police brutality. Right. So police brutality is a symptom of this larger issue. Um, it's not specifically about uh, uh, you know black men fathering too many children and leaving or going to prison. Like that's a symptom of this issue, and and when you think about like what what really is the 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 underwater iceberg, um, is it's it's really based in our psychology, mm-hmm. and and I think when we talk about perceptions, you know, there's a perception that. Uh, that black men are dangerous. There's a perception that uh, interesting. Uh, our uh, psychology research from the uh, um, American Psychology Association, American Psychological Association, uh, they did a series of six studies, and and the studies basically they showed they showed about a thousand people just headshots. So it was you know headshots of of black men, headshots of white men, and and they're just looking at these headshots. And the, the study participants were were tasked with a number of different tasks. Uh, one of them was identify the height, the weight, and the physical the physical threat of this person. And everyone perceived the 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 headshot of the black man. They they said the black man was taller. They estimated he he was taller heavier, stronger, and more formidable of an opponent. And it was, these two men were the same. On a headshot. (laughs) On a headshot. These two men were were identically the same size. And and the perception was the black man was bigger, stronger. And the interesting thing, the the sixth of those six studies, they asked, um, uh, and this this gets a little hard and difficult, but they asked these study participants um, if, you know, so, so police used force against these two men. And, and which which in which situation was it justified? And they showed that with the the photo of the black man, it was more justified because bigger, stronger, more of a threat to society. You know, threat for for middle in, in, in altercation, and and those are things that we don't think about, mm-hmm. right? Those are things that how how could that play out? How could that play out in any situation? Walking down the street, how could that play out? People are more afraid of me, right? How could that play out? Walking through Costco, people are more afraid of me. How could that play out? I get pulled over, right? Someone, someone. I'm not saying all cops, right? But someone could see me as a larger threat. Yep. Uh, someone was talking to me. Uh, uh, we were, I was, you know, doing a little Facebook uh, uh, conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do epic, epic Facebook conversations. Um, I, I've met, I've met the character limit on Facebook posts uh, oh, comments, uh, but but he said you know uh, a f- former former uh, law enforcement uh, person said you know the goal of law enforcement is neutralize the threat, right? And that, that's a, that's a military term, neutralize the threat, and and the word threat is the operative word there. And if we if we understand that black folks 
are more likely to be seen as more threatening and and the goal is to neutralize the threat right so so it's it's not right so police brutality isn't the issue but what's under that is neutralize the threat i'm more threatening neutralize the biggest threat Mm -hmm. oh right so we can see how that that can be a very clear symptom of it that's one of many right and so we can think about even in in uh hiring or college applications mm-hmm. or right so uh, all of these all of these different situations where um you know black folks are seen as less intelligent black folks are seen as as less good with their or worse with their money right and so like all of these things like oh well i don't necessarily want a black babysitter all of a sudden i don't want to I, I you know i don't want like all the wait a minute mm-hmm. So the, the the issue is is so much deeper, and it's it all has to do with perceptions. And so, like you know, people say, "Well, how do you solve it?" Well, this is not the type of problem that's going to be solved like that. Mm-hmm. It it is way too big, way too heavy of an issue. But what we can recognize is where we are reinforcing these perceptions. Yeah. Right. So where we're allowing them. Where we're allowing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, and, and to to be perfectly clear, I have gone through and taken the the Harvard's implicit associations test, mm-hmm. implicit attitudes test, and I too, like seventy five percent of the U.S., have a preference for European Americans. Right. That's a bias, an unconscious bias. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm racist. No, but it's important to understand that that bias exists. Mm-hmm. It's important to understand that it exists. Yeah. And and knowing that it exists, now I have awareness to it, and now I can start to choose my behaviors differently, right? I can choose to like, oh, this is what my natural preference is, so let me be, right? So yeah. let me be aware of it. Uh, I think a lot of times we just operate under our, our our unconscious biases without knowing it. Yeah, and I think the the willingness to explore those things, mm-hmm. the the curiosity, um, yeah. you know, just just commitment to not just saying. It's fixed. It's done. Right. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and being open to learning, exploring, growing, um, and and figuring it out as you go. Like it's going to be ugly. It's going to be messy. Um, you know, it's it's not this perfect little recipe of okay, if you do this, this, and that, then you're good to go. Like that's not how it's it's going to work. And right. that's that's okay to acknowledge that mm-hmm. um, that it is a process. It is going to take time, um, and eventually. Hopefully, as a society, if we get enough people on board, you yeah. know, doing these sorts of self-evaluations and constantly kind of checking themselves and, um, you know, being open to having those conversations with the people around them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, saying like, hey, you know what, like, not sure what happened there, but it, I'm perceiving it, you know, like I'm kind of reading it this way. You know, was that your intention? Mm-hmm. And like just being able to talk about that kind of stuff openly. Um and bringing it, you know, into the light um, is really powerful. I, yeah. I honestly believe that. Um, there was an interesting thing, um, you know, that had happened where um, somebody had said, you know, that you're so charming and mm-hmm. um, charismatic, and mm-hmm. um, and they they didn't necessarily mean it. Mm. To, oh, well spoken. Yeah, well, to to well spoken, how yeah. well spoken you are. Yeah. yeah. Um, but those microaggressions matter, mm-hmm. and well, and so 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 the reason the reason that's a microaggression is is it so so it's it's specifically well spoken, mm-hmm. right? So so that is a phrase that is almost exclusively used for minorities mm-hmm. is and, and and kind of the the underpinning of that is i expect you to talk ebonics 
and you speak very well. Or be uneducated. Or be un I expect you to be uneducated and you speak very well. And so that phrase, well-spoken, is a microaggression because it comes from an assumption that you should not be able to speak proper English. You should not be able to use proper grammar. And you do. What a surprise. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. But it, it's being able to say in the people in our circle, mm -hmm. if we can't have those conversations and if it's left on your shoulders to just deal with it mm -hmm. and assume that, oh, they didn't mean it that way. Like that is a huge burden and responsibility for you to carry through yeah. your entire life. Right. Um, and, you know, the same for, for our kids, you know, they shouldn't have to prove and justify and qualify themselves. Um, but it happens all the time, yeah. you know, and, and those are things, those are burdens that, that shouldn't be born um, or, or placed onto you just because, you know, of the, the inability to have some of those uncomfortable conversations right. and to bring it into the light and say, like, you may not have intended it that way, but like it is heard this way. And it's important to have awareness to the fact that yeah, like that, that, that's valid. Like perception mm -hmm. and reality, like, mm -hmm. you know. Well, and yeah, it's exactly. Perception is more important than reality. So a lot, you know, a lot of times I didn't intend it. Mm -hmm. So it must not be that. I didn't intend it. And so it's like, no, in, intention isn't the point, yeah. right? Your intention is the point. The point is the impact. So we talk a lot about, we actually, we're, we're using this phrase with our kids a lot um, that, that communication is message, message sent, sent and message, message received. received. And, and and if the message isn't received the way you want it to receive, be received, then the communication didn't happen the way you want it to happen. And so it, it is it is as critical for the per, per, uh, perception of that message, you know, than delivery. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I intended this, and I, I meant to say, ooh, girl, you fine, right? <laughs> and, you're, and you hear it as, whoa, like... Chill. That's not where we are right now. And it's like, whoa, 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 I didn't, I didn't mean to sexually harass you. And you're like, well, it doesn't matter, matter what you meant, like how it was received. I'm sure, I'm sure that the way I received it is not the way you wanted me to receive it, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, it's about message sent and message received. Those two things have to work for communication to have taken place. And so, if we understand this, so often we, we get mad at other people to say, "You heard me wrong." Mm. You, no, 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 that's not what I meant. You heard me. Yeah. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it's not. It's actually, it's a joint partnership, right? Yep. In, in the way things happen. And if we find out, like, someone, the, the person that said, you know, Eric, you're so well-spoken, something I've heard, honestly, way too many times in my life. Yeah. Um, um, but if, when I, when I call that out and they say, oh, I didn't intend for that. Oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Like, like that's an opportunity now for us to learn together and like grow together instead of no, no, no. That's not what I meant. You're too sensitive. Hmm. It's like no, I'm not too sensitive. I'm as sensitive as I need to be right now. Yeah. And this is just this is where I am. And mm -hmm. so just know that what you intended to deliver was not delivered. Yeah. Right. It was not received. Not received. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I. I think that perception reality is 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 critical. And I think that. You know, as, as we talk about more conversations on race and racism, um, as we as we talk about, you know, more opportunities for for this to show up in, in, in our individual relationships, with our friends, with our, our coworkers, uh, with our spouses, it, 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 this is so important. Uh, and, and I think that if, if, you know, we can let go of the illusion of certainty that we know everything mm -hmm. and we can be curious and we can engage in this conversation, right? This, this doesn't have to be a, a, a red team versus blue team conversation. I'm, I'm so frustrated. Not at all. It's not like this. This is a, a conversation for all of us 
to get better as as a society. We can do this together. And and just because we make a mistake or just because we're afraid to make a mistake, that that, that should not stop us from engaging in the conversation. Yeah. And I think that we're so worried about being perceived as, you know, this character label, like mm -hmm. I'm a racist or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. Right? It has to do with us engaging with one another and connecting with one another. One another. Um, and so with that, <laughs> like, deep ending. Yeah, no, I, think, I think we're going to have to put a pin in this and maybe bring it back yeah. next week because uh, this is this is really, really important. And I think that uh, obviously we've got some good passion <laughs> around it. We have conversations about this quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but, but again, it's, it's very important. It affects us very, very personally. Uh, and also a lot of people reach out to us on, on how do we have this conversation, yeah. you know, uh, how do we have it with our kids? How and how do, we... do you stay in the conversation, right. which is right. really important. So, yeah. all right. All right. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us on the Cure for Stupidity podcast. Sounds good. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>